Hi, I'm Lindsay from Artifact. I am here today with Sarah and Judy, and we are going to talk about their experience with Twist Out for Cancer. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi, Lindsay. Sarah, tell me about how you found this organization and the type of cancer you were battling at the time that you came across Twist Out for Cancer. I ran into Brushes with Cancer through my friend, Anna. She is actually our mentor uh, in our group. And we used to be neighbors up the hill and watch football games and meet at breweries and such. And I noticed the art. She's also one of the artists for the program. And when we found out I had stage three colon cancer, she asked if it would be something that I would be interested in. So I had stage three colon cancer. That was less than a year ago. I had surgery to remove my transverse colon where the tumor was. I was put on two types of chemotherapy. And during that process, I kind of lost my creativity. I'm a very creative person who also loves art. And so Anna felt that Brushes with Cancer would be a positive experience to help me find creativity during and after my treatment. I want to know just a little bit more about what your headspace and experience of finding out that you had stage three colon cancer was like. That was a tough one. I started feeling sick and I went, I I immediately had to go to the ER because of my symptoms and they did all these tests and scans and they felt that I had food poisoning or stomach flu. They gave me five COVID tests because this was during the pandemic and all of them came back. They maybe felt that that was it. And so they just kept retesting me for that. And so I continued this with my doctors, following up with them, and they continued to run tests. And none of my labs or anything presented that there was an issue. Three months of going into that, I lost 22 pounds. I was just very, very sick. And I started to feel mentally just not well because the doctors are telling me there's nothing wrong and I'm feeling in my body there's something horribly wrong. So it was kind of mentally debilitating. Mm. And then I eventually found the doctor who would listen. When we did find, I was sent for a colonoscopy. And when we did find that there was in fact a tumor, they did feel strongly that it was uh, cancerous. One, it was relief to have answers. And two, there was a whole lot of fear. It's amazing that you were so persistent, right? Because doctors being like, you're just, you know, it's just normal sickness. And you're like, "Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's not normal. How did you continue to persist until you definitely figured out what was going on? I just had to keep advocating for myself. I present as a tall, fairly thin person female. And with that combined with my labs not presenting anything, but my symptoms were pretty horrific and I was not able to eat and, you know, losing 22 pounds within such a short period. I was just certain that something was wrong. And so it was just continually advocating for myself and speaking up for myself against what my doctors believed. And then eventually switching my care team to somebody who would listen and take it to the next level. So advocacy is important. You said that you were creative before. What kinds of ways did you express your creativity? Oh, I love art. I love crafting. I'm a yoga therapist by trade, and I've been a yoga teacher for 10 plus years. So creating sequencing and developing programs, teacher training programs, offering yoga retreats just really lit up my life. It was every day feeling juicy with creative sensations and just wanting to help people. Um, 
One of my sons lives in Austin, and he is also an amateur oil painter. I don't remember how he got connected with Brushes with Cancer, but he was in the 2020 group as an artist. And it was a very positive experience for him. He he did talk about <laughs> the time commitment, and um, he was uncertain about how it would go getting to know a new person who was a total stranger and all that. So he had talked to me about that. I was sort of sitting around on a Sunday in February of whatever year it was, the beginning of the pandemic, able to do anything. And... Um, I had been very involved with a number of piano groups and my art stuff and all of that had come to a screeching halt. And I I wanted some kind of new challenge that would push me and would also offer an opportunity to connect with somebody who I didn't know. Uh, You know, I had a background, a whole career as a clinical psychologist. I thought, well, I could use those skills. (laughs) They would be fine. I wasn't sure about the artistic skills really didn't expect to get selected. I'm very curious about the matching program. I don't know how they do that, but I'm very intrigued by the notion of how they would pick Dara, who's just about half my age, that we would connect as easily as we did. So that's how, oh, so anyway, then we didn't hear anything for like six months. So I had sort of moved on to some other priorities and imagine my surprise one day when they said, oh, guess what? (laughs) And so I thought, okay, all right. And so then Sarah and I got together almost immediately, not live. We still haven't done live. We contacted each other very quickly and and it kind of went from there. Tell me what those conversations were like as you were getting to know each other. What kinds of things did you talk about? Well, when I first spoke with Judy, one, we had to do it over the phone because I was still in treatment. Uh, so I was immune compromised and not allowed to be out of my chemo bubble. <laughs> I felt from my my lens that we immediately clicked. She was very easy to talk to. I think if it'd be kind of interesting if we actually had a recording of our conversations between then and now, because I'm almost certain they have evolved as where I was physically and mentally in space versus where I am now. So we've kind of been on a roller coaster coaster together and had a very open, um, honest, hard, and positive conversations. It was remarkably easy. She's just delightful to talk to. We didn't start with FaceTime. Did we actually do the telephone? I can't remember I, whether it was FaceTime or telephone, to be honest. I think they've all been, uh, unless the first one was different, but certainly ever since then, everything's been FaceTime. So I know she looks like and she knows what I look like. We talked very early on about all the cancer and talked about her struggles with that and about her relationships, how relationships with other people had evolved and devolved, what the treatment regimen was like. So we started after she had gotten that good news in July or August, I mean, the end of July, I'm pretty sure it was. And then we scheduled in the beginning, we scheduled uh, FaceTime meetings every couple of weeks for an hour. I would say that for me, the only moderately little bit confusing part of this was exactly what my role was to be in relation to her, because she pretty quickly said, oh, we're friends. And I thought, really, is that how this works? Because it felt like, it felt very natural, felt very, very good. Sarah, in talking with someone who isn't your therapist, isn't a family member, 
What did you find you were more able to speak with Judy about? And what kinds of things did you learn about yourself maybe through this process? What I loved about this experience in relation to that question the most was being able to develop what my story was throughout my cancer journey, because it's a very important goal of mine to share with the world or anybody who's willing to listen about the warning signs and symptoms of colon cancer in hopes that it prevents another person from going through it or having them get screened early enough and such. My conversations with Judy were, one, the story and how I could help her develop a painting from that story. And so just giving her deep insight into my mind, being vulnerable, being honest, uh, and not, you know, putting on the mask and necessarily just telling her I'm fine, being very real about my state of mind and how physically I was feeling. As you went through this process, you were able to sort of reflect on your journey and on who you are and became through this experience. What is it that you learned who you are and, and how you want to be in the world? This time of my life has taught me so much. I treasure my family, my friends, my support groups, even more than what I did before. They are my first priority. They are safe haven for my mental stability. I don't take for granted simple pleasures. You know, sunsets, sunrises, looking up at the stars, limiting my social media time and realizing that that's not real life, being grateful for food and just the actual capacity to eat. Time and everything really is just so precious. Self-care has become a daily practice for me. It's something I have to do to keep myself elevated in spirit, and it's important to my physical well-being. My capacity to feel empathy and have patience has grown tremendously. Uh, one of my old bosses always said, put your patience pants on, Sarah. And I think I've learned how to wear my patience pants, and it's made me, this whole experience has made me a much better listener. And in that same breath, I now allow and have a lot of acceptance with myself to hold space, to feel cases of feelings that we as humans sometimes can carry. That and my work as a yoga therapist has helped me to hold space and have language with others, which is much more trauma-informed or sensitive. I recognize the importance of joining art therapy programs, having regular therapy sessions, going to acupuncture, having my own yoga therapy program and plan. It's just been really an essential lifesaver during this cancer journey and an unexpected retreat from the effects of chemo. Well, Judy, when you think about what you've learned about the experience that someone who's living with cancer might have, what were the things that stayed with you the most and that you kept in your mind as you created this piece? I mean, I'm thinking a lot about the, all the things that we have in common and why this relationship developed in the way that it did, even though it hasn't yet been in person. I find that I am grateful for this, many of the same things that Sarah is, partly because I'm grateful that I haven't had cancer, at least not yet. And I saw a lot of people in my practice over many years who had cancer and who had relatives who had cancer. I made notes on all of our conversations so that I wouldn't forget what seemed to be the highlights and the things that were important to Sarah. About six weeks after we started talking, I 
thought, you know, I better get started on this. For one thing, the requirements, the size requirements for the painting were way larger than anything I'd ever painted. It was going to take a lot of paint and a lot of time. And then I needed to be prepared for that. And I needed to plan how I was going to do this. When we had a meeting um, with several people who were artists, I realized that there's a lot of these people who've done this before. And most of them are professional artists, which I most assuredly am not. I work mainly from photographs that my partner takes or I take or that I find and I'm really drawn to. And in the beginning of this process, I was going to have to start from scratch and figure out the composition that would reflect the things that I thought would be most important to Sarah. So I launched on this list of all these wonderful things that she talked about, food, relationship, environment, philosophy. And I worked for about, must have been almost two months, to try to put all that together into a painting. At one point, my partner said to me, you know, if you were Van Gogh, you might be able to pull this off, but this is not going to work. It's not going to happen. When I went back to the drawing board with a, a photo in mind, it was a big relief. I had happiness working on it. I had confidence that I could pull it off. I was happy with the colors. I was happy with, I mean, I had no idea what what Sarah was going to think. And she has not seen it yet. And it certainly doesn't include all the things that she and I talked about. And she saw a drawing of what I was thinking about in the beginning. And she was very complimentary, but then, you know, she probably would be anyway. And so she has no idea, I don't think, of what I've done since then, which is quite different and much more scaled down in terms of complexity. But I'm hoping that she'll see that it still gets the message across. Sarah, hearing all of the time and thought, you know, emotional energy that Judy put into the creation of this piece of art, what do you, how does that land on you? What do you think about that? I just loved working with her. Our talks were super helpful to me as I went through the treatment and after. She just really provided a space to feel heard and supported, accepted for where I was and seen. I fully 100% trust that this painting is going to translate my story. I have no doubts of her skills and capabilities. And I could hear and I appreciate the amount of attention and just how, how she takes it seriously. I just really appreciate the time she's committed to it and the amount of paint. <laughs> <laughs> You're a doll. Thank you. <laughs> Sarah, as we finish up our time here, I want you to speak to anyone who might be living with cancer in this moment, who may have just found out that they are about to face a very difficult journey. What advice do you have for them? And also, what advice do you have for the loved ones of someone who is living with cancer? Yeah, I think my advice is to educate themselves in one way that I educate people. And it's kind of what I say throughout any program that I'm teaching people about cancer is the symptoms. When you go through treatment, it's not just what you see in the movies, you know. <laughs> The symptoms from the two types of chemo I was on were surprising, and it was even more surprising that they didn't immediately stop after treatment. The symptoms I had since and up to I'm now six months post-treatment include neuropathy of my hands and feet that can make walking or opening things challenging, nausea, vomiting, abdominal issues, 
the brain fog was the most disorienting, just feeling like you were walking around, walking around wearing a space helmet. That lack of creativity I spoke of, the significant amount of fatigue, inability to eat, sometimes even having trouble speaking immediately after the cancer, especially the IV chemo cancer treatment. It's almost like you were tongue-tied. And this razor-like feeling when you swallow and only being able to drink things that were hot. But I guess the message about cancer that is really important to me is to remind people to be advocating for themselves with their medical professionals and find a care team that you feel good about. That's going to be important to your mental health as well as your physical well-being. My diagnosis was prolonged because of all that. And so I, I just want really people to stand up for themselves. And that when they are going through cancer treatment, the before, the after, the during, to make sure that you have the familial and friend support that suits you. Uh, you will have to set boundaries with people. You just need to protect your emotional well-being and get a therapist and, you know, even get a yoga therapist so that you keep moving your body in a gentle way. Seek other holistic services that complement your Western medicine style so that you just have this well-rounded program that you just have a lot of eyes on you and nurturing you. How about you, Judy? (laughs) I just want to say amongst the things that I'm grateful for is the opportunity to get to work with Sarah. That was very special. Thank you, Judy. I love working with you, too. And I can't wait to see the painting this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) We get to meet in person. (laughs) 